Welcome to The Cultured Commuter, a cultured approach to the daily commute. I'm John Church. And I'm Catherine Moran. In this episode, we visit Imperial Rome's mightiest creation, the Colosseum. A triumph of engineering and design innovation, this grandest of public stadiums is also a mirror of Roman society and its obsession with public spectacle. When I think about the Colosseum, I know it's known for its architecture, but I really think about the social structure of ancient Rome. I think about the massive monumental scale of all Roman building and how innovative they were. Well, it's no wonder it was called the Colossus. Huge. Huge. Big. Story behind it, however. Of course. The Roman Emperor Nero, his great art patron, built his golden house, which the Romans called his Domus Aurea, on immense acreage. He knocked down whole neighborhoods, and the house overlooked a lake. Which he the, had built himself, a false lake. In the middle of a city. You just don't do that in the real estate of market not. in a booming <laughs> city. And in the former location of the wealthiest people in Rome's homes. His golden house was just that gilded interiors, onyx marble, the riches of the empire all poured into it. But they got rid of him somehow. Assassination, execution, he died. And the real point is, instead of a private golden house, there's all of a sudden an amphitheater for the people. For the people, absolutely. So what they do is they cover a golden house, they bury it, and on the site they build really one of the most iconic structures in the world. So let's talk about some architectural facts relating to the Colosseum. 615 feet long, 510 feet wide, 159 feet high. It could accommodate audiences estimated at about 50,000 people who could enter and exit from 76 vaulted arcades in a matter of a few minutes. And this fact alone, to me, is so indicative of the Roman mindset, because the Greeks never would have done anything like this. I think there would have been one door that everyone would have taken three and a half days to get in and out of. But the Romans were so concerned with efficiency, practicality, real matters of daily life, that although the Colosseum is certainly a beautiful structure, it's really functional. It, it does come through, you know, the writings of their, the only surviving Roman architect, Marcus Vitruvius Polio, in his 10 books on architecture, talked about three things. Right. Fermitas, meaning solidity. Utilitas, function. And venustas, beauty. So those three things are all evident in the Colosseum, but it starts with solid building and, and perfect, uh, efficient functioning. In fact... Each level of the Colosseum employs a different architectural order. So we have Tuscan on the ground floor, Ionic on the second, and Corinthian on the third. And the columns are actually completely decorative, known as pilasters. And we have to remember the Romans are borrowing their art and much of their culture from the ancient Greeks. They are. They're the great achievers of the ancient world. The Romans conquered the Greeks. They absorb that culture, and they absorb all of that architectural ornament and all of the forms. But what the Romans do, I think, their special gift to Western civilization and to art is the way they innovate and they adapt and engineer. Arches had been around for 4,000 years before the Romans, but it's what the Romans do with it. They also have materials locally. They have volcanic ash. They're able to make cement. So you've perfected the arch 
technology. And then with cement, they crisscross arches. And so all of a sudden, you can span these vast interior spaces without a forest of columns. This is true. The poured construction really gives the Romans the ability to shape space in a way that the Greeks just didn't have access to. Everything with post and lintel construction looks like a rectangle. The, the, the Romans, however, were freed from that architectural construct. And the Colosseum is part of a series of monumental buildings, the scale of which the ancient world had never seen, except for maybe the pyramids of Egypt, which are tombs. Their temples are large, but the Romans built the Colosseum, the great public baths, the fora, which were marketplaces where you'd gather. There's a scale of life people just hadn't seen until the Romans perfect that art technology. And I think that... Certainly, the use of Greek decorative motifs and schemes with a Roman social construct is evidenced in the Colosseum. So let's talk a little bit about Roman society. There were slaves who were there really to build the building, and Rome was a slave-based empire. Right, and there are plebeians who are free people, but I think everyone knows what a plebe is. They have very little say in the social goings-on of ancient Rome. Then there were equestrians. They would equate to our idea of a knight. They were a class of people who were allowed to ride horses. You had to come from a wealthy background. And in times of war, they'd be called up to service. Right. And then the highest class of Roman citizens were called patricians. And they were the nobility of ancient Rome. And ancient Rome, much like European dynastic cultural systems, was a pure aristocracy. They were very interested in their role in society, and they were also interested in having that role be visible to everyone in town, which for me is why the Colosseum is a perfect example of Roman society. On the ground floor, you had seats for all of the senators with their names inscribed on them. The most visible person, of course, was the emperor who had given the games and the Colosseum to the people. And as you ascend the levels of the Colosseum, the people sitting in the seats got less important. You could look around and see whether or not you were more important than your neighbor by where you were sitting. So that was the show going on in the seating area. You knew who was who, what was what. But then there's a subterranean world. The guts of the Colosseum. Really two levels even of subterranean network of tunnels and 32 animal pens. There were 80 vertical shafts, which provided instant access to the arena for animals and scenery. 36 trap doors, which you can only imagine had special effects coming out of them. Surprises for the audience and probably for those fighting on the Colosseum floor as well. But this netherworld underneath the amphitheater, the atmosphere must have been awful. Absolutely. Little natural light. They would have had lamps burning continuously. The heat, the stench of all the animals must have been unbearable. And there's excrement, blood, and death beneath and above. I think the Colosseum was like a living hell, to be it honest. It was. It was. But then all of that was, was behind the scenes and preparing for the show that was going to go on up above. And this social structure that we talked about, we have on average 65,000 people attending the games. And the cost of which eventually came to one-third of the total income of the empire. So they had animal hunts, executions, um, reenactments of famous battles, and dramas based on their own classical mythology. So this was uh, circuses for the people. It was showmanship at its highest point. One of the most famed events that ever took place in the Colosseum was 
a mock sea battle. And there is evidence, in fact, that they were able to flood the Colosseum because it was built on the site where Nero's false lake had been. So the water pipes that had supplied the water supply for that lake were actually diverted to the Colosseum and they were able to put water in it and they constructed some naval ships within the walls of the Colosseum and they then reenacted naval battles. This kind of public spectacle Rome became so famous for. There's a conflict going on, however, because the Romans valued their earlier pragmatic, down-to-earth Republican values, but they conquered the world and wealth poured in. And so they were dealing with being simple and noble. That was the ideal on one side, but there was a lot of money and extravagance and opulence on the other. And very much in an effort, I think, to address the inequality of means, we have the games and the Colosseum and this kind of public giving, almost as if it's a charitable entertainment to keep the people happy. You know, what remains? I think uh, Rome is judged in many ways as a world power for good and bad, but what does endure? are its buildings. What architecture. Vit- yeah, what Vitruvius says, it proves true. Solidly built, efficient and functional. So there are some arenas uh, built by ancient Romans that are still in use today. Aqueducts still in use. So it lasts. Beauty's in the eye of the beholder, but it is a handsome building, I think. I agree. And you can see the perspective of Roman culture evinced through the architecture, where technology wins out every time over design. And I think the beauty of the building is underneath all of that. Those arches, that efficiency, the innovation is, I think, the the ultimate high point of the building. Thank you for joining us. Please subscribe to our podcast where we will continue to connect the big ideas and small details that shape world culture. The music in this podcast is an excerpt from Le Toile Danse and is provided courtesy of Maidan.